Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to Fight Club. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. morning. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for homes of service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts, and this week we get to be joined by our guest, Alan Levy. Thank you so much for joining us, Al. Very excited to have you on the show today. Do you mind just giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business? Yep. I uh, was born into the business, and I mean that literally. I was third generation in a plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical shop, and I've been told I have a little accent left from being born in New York, just a tiny bit. And so, yes, we uh, learned a lot of great things. We struggled for many years. Our business was started in 1936, and then uh, my brothers and I came along. I was the youngest of three brothers, and we worked with my dad, and we were able to do some very innovative things in our industry. And then I said, I'm leaving. I gave him three years notice and Megan knows the story. <laughs> it's a long time. Yes. And then I went, I went off all around this great place, United States and Canada, to bring all of the systems to people out there, contractors, home service contractors. Awesome. Well, we are super excited to have you on the show with us today, Al. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. My name is Taylor Maroney, and I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband, who's originally from New Jersey, so I understand the accent of <laughs> Northeast very well, the cabs and the coffee and all the fun stuff. Uh, so definitely- You speak like a native now, coffee. Yeah, good girl. <laughs> I'm, that's the only way he says it, so it's the only way I've learned to say it now. <laughs> yeah. But Come, on, come over uh, here. Come over here. I know. Over here, The uh, it, honestly, it's- that's probably coffee is the only one I have right now. <laughs> right, you got, but you have it now. You go. <laughs> my southern stays with me very well, but <laughs> my background is in marketing. That's what I love. It's it's really where my passion lies is helping business owners understand the numbers behind it and make better decisions based upon that. So I'm super excited to talk about marketing with you today, Al, and welcome to Fight Club, everyone. Thank yes. you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We're really happy to have you. Uh, this is one of the guests where a couple of us were fighting over who was going to get them on during their slot. Uh, so uh, for the record, I won. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's keeping score. But nobody's keeping score. Martha, I love you. That was just a little ding. Uh, my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own a full service accounting firm called Likes Accounting Company, uh, and I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, in Northern California. I met, met Al a couple of years ago, and I keep saying, like, his systematization, ooh, big word for early in the morning, uh, is on my wish list of things to do in my company. I like the way his brain works, and we're very happy to have you. Welcome back to Fight Club, everybody. 
And hey there, Al. Good morning. My name is Michelle Myers. I'm the co-owner of Pink Collars, and we put CSRs or customer service rock stars remotely in your company. So if you need help with calls and emails and chats and all of that awesome information that comes at you as a business owner, we can for sure help. And I'm also the proud co-owner of a Wise Coatings location, and we're doing floor coatings. So I'm in the home service space myself as well now and feeling a little bit of the pain recently. So uh, welcome well, to Fight Club. <laughs> it's a fun club to be in. I love it. I'm learning so, so, so much. Um, so welcome. And we're going to talk about systems, you and I. So I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to chat about. So my name's Martha Woodward, and um, I owned a maid service for 13 years, and I'm co-founder of a software called Quality Driven. And my mission is just to help people build happier workplaces. And I've been following Al for a few months. Uh, and just My wife got a restraining order, but thank you anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might have to. I don't know. I don't go quite as hard as Megan, but uh, but yes, definitely fangirl. So we're happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Awesome. Well, I get to see you first, Al, and we get to talk about marketing for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna kind of start this off with a funny story I may have told once or once before on the show, but um, with you being from the Northeast, it fits very well. Um, my I'm from the South. I was born and raised in Florida. So I come with a very Southern hospitality, um, you know, pitch to my admin and sales pitch spiel that I do for marketing. Husband, not so much. He's very cut and dry, very black and white, which is what he's told me is very normal for the Northeast. That's very much how they sell and how they market in the Northeast. It's not an explanation of grand detail like I like to do. It's a, this is it. This is the price. Let's go. <laughs> so... Um, where I'm going with this is it leads into marketing to the right people. And in South Florida, we have a very large, um, you know, mismatch of people from all over the country. So when I have clients that call in from the Northeast, I know immediately to direct him to his line because he will be able to serve them better as a salesperson than I will. Same for people that call from the South. So when we market to these people, it's very important, as you've said on your website, to make sure we're talking to them in the right voice, to make sure we're getting the right information to them. So when you're looking at a marketing you know, voice and talking to someone's company about how they market, what's really kind of the first things you like to analyze with them? Well, I know Megan knows this person I'm going to speak about, Ellen Rohr. Is that a name yes. all of you are familiar? Just nod your heads. Of oh, course, you're all fangirls. Who doesn't know? Yeah, who doesn't know Ellen? Yeah. Well, I, the lucky, happy thing is uh, we met way back when in the forerunner of Nextstar, and uh, we would get into these crazy conversations because we ended up being co-consultants. And let me explain what co-consultants mean: is Ellen and I decided that we we like working with each other and we'll date, but we're never getting married, so we could never work for each other. But we would have these long rides in the car, and things would come up. So I'm driving. And Ellen turns to me and she goes, what's more important, marketing or sales? And I said, sales. And she goes, well, if you don't market, the phone will go dead. And I go, yes. But if I don't know how to sell to you, Ellen, and you're my ideal customer, and I want to, if I don't know what makes you tick and what's going to make you respond in the way that I need you to, then it doesn't matter. How am I ever going to find 10 of you, a thousand of you, a million of you, or 10 million of you? So where my belief is, the better I got at sales, the better I got at marketing. 
they're connected. And I'll give you one last thing, which you didn't ask for. The better you get at sales, the better you get marketing, the better you get at training. How do I know? Because I never was born a trainer. I didn't desire to be this great trainer. I became this great trainer because my dad said to me when I was about 30, I came to him and I said, you know, being a tech is not a bad thing. Is there anything more? And my dad was a very nice, quiet man. And he goes, I wonder when you were going to ask that. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're never getting out of this truck until you learn how to get somebody else in it. So getting back to the marketing aspect of it, I feel that if you want more customers, and we do, and you, Tay, are the customer, you are the centric of my commercial. You are going to be the face of all of it because I am such a big believer in testimonial-based marketing. Now, how you deploy it is different. Of course, today, like, and people go, well, testimonies are important. I go, listen, I traveled this whole great country. At the end, I wasn't even asking the owner where to go eat. I was asking Yelp because <laughs> I knew how Yelp works. So, yes, I'm a firm believer. As to other thing about marketing, I like where you're talking about marketing and sales because you are best set for the Southern hospitality. And, yes, he's like, let's get down to business and go out the Northeast. So when you do sales, you you learn if you're there, you have to adjust you because they're not changing. And so marketing is really key that way. Absolutely. And it's I love what you said in regards to having that person be the center of your marketing, having that ideal customer that you know how to speak to and you know how to work with being the center of your marketing. And a lot of people, when you, you know, you sit down and have them do a customer avatar, you sit down and have them start to work on a worksheet like that. It's very difficult for them to begin to pinpoint sometimes exactly who Mrs. Jones is or Mr. Roberts or, you know, whoever that person is for their company. It's hard for them to really sit down and know, okay, this is one of their qualities. So how do you kind of begin to help them analyze who that customer is? Well, for for me, me, uh, my my dad made me into a salesperson. (laughs) I was very shy. And people laugh because if they've said yes, That's me. <laughs> I know, but and Megan's laugh, probably laughing because she's seen me on the stage a couple of times and networking. <clears throat> My dad. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I started selling by looking at my shoes and never making eye contact. And if you know anything about sales, there can be no worse than those two things. But my dad used to make me go door to door. And trust me, when you do door to door sales back in the day, you learn how to get to the point really quick. And you better be good at sales and you better be having eye contact. So talking about this, I got to know my customers by doing the most difficult thing for any good person out of the Northeast. Ask good questions and shut up. (laughs) Take notes. And so... That really was the forerunner for me to to get a better understanding because customers will tell you who they are, both in what they say and what they don't say, if you become a great listener. And that was really the big trick for me was to do that. I will make it. I'm going to tee you up here. So hang on. (laughs) When we first did our first budget, because we met the lovely Ellen Rohr, because before that, we never did a budget. Now, the good news is we worked really hard and the money followed. That is an exception to the rule. Do not do that. Do not do that. So we sat down and did our first budget back in the 90s. It comes out to $150 an hour selling price. I hope that shocks people because back then that was crazy. 
And my brother and I do our first thing. We figure out a toilet's going to be $400. And we freaked out. And this is coming back to marketing. But what we realized in that moment is, for the first time, not everybody is our customer. And if you think you're going to market to everybody, you're doing buckshot, not rifle shot. And you are wasting your money. Wasting your money. The three rights of marketing, Tay, that I always talk about is the right amount of customers, the right amount of calls from the right customer at the right time. Those three rights is what drives every good marketing. And when I went to work with other clients, this is what I always, marketing is a system, marketing budget, percentage of sales. So it's fuel in your gas tank. And then three main drivers, three ways you go into market because there's a thousand ways to go to market. And then ultimately, hey, where they all make the same mistake that I used to until my marketing guru, Leo, came into my life, which is marketing calendar, which is going backwards through the calendar so that you are always proactively marketing. Because as contractors, the phones are ringing. All right. Wait a second. Did anybody test the phones? Because they're not ringing today. <laughs> well, it's too late. Too late. So this, this is really how we systematize marketing. Is that, did I get anywhere close to what you asked? Absolutely, you nailed it. So I would love to recap real quick, just for everyone. So we're talking about three rights of marketing, which is Al's reviewing real quick before we hand, hand him off to Megan for money. So the right calls, the right amount of calls, excuse me, of the right customers at the right time. And then I'm missing the middle one. We I remember budget was after. Um, there was one piece in the middle. I think it was in regards to- um, Three main drivers, three primary three ways- Perfect. Then you get your majority of your time, energy, and money. That doesn't mean it's the only way you put a market. Absolutely. So three main drivers. So picking three main avenues. Is that what we're we're going to make sure we can break this down for everyone? So three main avenues to market. So that can be things like Google Ads, Facebook, SEO, a website. A website in itself can be an avenue to market. So that's what Al's referring to in an avenue to market. And then from there, he wants to make sure you make a calendar, make a plan. That is very crucial and essential to work backwards through your year prior to even that year starting. So that way, you know exactly where you can allocate money and funds, increase funds during certain times of year if needed, decrease during certain times of year and make sure that that funnel is staying open. So that way you're able to get, again, the right amount of calls from the right customers at the right time. So Excellent. I- absolutely loved our conversation. Um, and last little piece I will add is definitely make sure to listen to your customers. They'll bring you in for coffee. If you ever want to have coffee with them, I feel like you're bringing out a whole new side of tail. I think you should be around more often. I, uh, I don't, I don't see you around it besides Damien. I mean, him and his coffee and he sits down and I'll lose him for an hour sometimes, that <laughs> estimate. An absolute long hour. He'll be gone sitting having coffee with the lady and talking yeah. about everything under the sun. So listening is huge. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Well, Al, I like to give guests choices about what we're going to talk about. And so I have ideas coming in, knowing you and knowing kind of where I've heard your heart sing and where I've heard your passions come in from from 20 years in the consulting arena and and many years before that in home service. And here's here's my laundry list of or my menu of options. It's called a menu of options. Uh, We can talk about investing in people. 
So I feel like this is a little bit dancing on Martha's toes, but I, I think we can do it because you, you have spent a lot of energy in helping set up business owners for success by setting their teams up for success, by really thinking ahead and articulating how to set them up for success. And I feel like that's an investment of time and an investment of money, um, but mostly an investment in time in terms of getting organized. We can talk about the difference between an A player and a B player. I think that's going to be related to investing in our teams, related to being thoughtful and, you know, thinking ahead and early about what we expect and how they can deliver it. Um, because you mentioned budgeting, we could talk about how you read this really cool blue book every single year called Where Did the Money Go? And we can talk about like how important that has been to you in your financial literacy and education. Um, or we can talk about pricing because we had some really interesting conversations about pricing in Phoenix recently. Uh, it kind of seems to be a buzzword. And, and I know that you, you have opinions about that. $150 labor rate back in the 90s is, is significant. You, you've gone through that shock that other people go through. So which of those kind of makes your heart sing? And we can't talk about all of them. We only have five minutes. So we have to choose one. Uh, I would like to start with Ellen's book. And uh she doesn't need the plug, but I plug it to this day because that book is, we were already friends for quite a while before I even read her book. Yeah. Um, where did the money go? But really that is a transformational book for any contractor. Frankly, I think any business owner, because I'm going to expose how dumb I was. I never said I was bright. <laughs> so we're going to blow up that myth. If anyone even has that, I don't think that's, my, my wife and kids are always happy to tell me how I'm not that smart. So here's what this comes down to was at my company, we worked hard and the money showed up, like I mentioned before, but that isn't necessarily so. So we didn't do a budget, come around our fiscal year, the last month, the accountants would walk in and tell my brothers and I that, oh, we had a great year, go buy something. <laughs> and so we had a month to scramble. And other times you would walk in and go, wasn't a great year. We have to keep the bank statements looking good and we have to be able to have some money. So I hope you guys have your own money because you're not getting paid for at least a month. So let's just say. Anybody relate? Anybody? Can you, you know, like these, these cycles, these big valleys and peaks of, of business ownership where you're like, we're rolling in, we're going on a family trip. <laughs> and then you're like, uh, honey, sorry, but no paychecks for the next one. No, no, uh, no holiday gifts. I mean, really, it's just awful, really, what we do to ourselves because we forget to do the most important thing, which is get systematized financially. Mm -hmm. And Ellen is that person. So anyway, the thing, what I loved about Ellen's book, and then, of course, learned that we had to do a budgeting, of course, um, was for the first time, as she always explains, it's like driving your financial car by looking out the front windshield instead of waiting for reports to show up, which is like driving your car looking out the rear view mirror. <laughs> I love that. For me, the thing I loved most is, I hate, when I would ask my accountants to explain a financial term, they would give me another financial term that I didn't understand. <laughs> and it was so frustrating that I would give up, which was probably their hope anyway, because they liked keeping us stupid. And that's not all accounts, and especially not today, because they realize you can do so much more in Google and things, which I didn't have access to. But we, I, call it, we call it CPA voodoo magic, right? Yes, like, we did, a magic. By keeping the magic around your money, 
that is called job security for us, right? It's, it's okay. It's okay. You don't need to know this. I'll take care of you. Yeah. yeah. A little pat on the head. Yep. A little pat on the head. Yep. So uh, that was really, I told Ellen, I said, it, just for the glossary alone, and understanding these terms was a monstrous difference in my life. And yes, I do read it every year because at first you would think it's a simple book. And that's the beauty of it is she builds on it as you go instead of here's all of it you need to know and let's just peel it back. It doesn't work that way. So that's why I like the book so much and how it's changed my, my life. Do I have time for one more or where am I at? I'm going to pause you for just a second. So uh, we, uh, the, where did the money go? If you haven't read it yet, the idea is that we need to educate ourselves as owners about the finances of our company. This is not something that we can reasonably or responsibly delegate out. It is our responsibility as owner to understand where did the money go? So what Ellen did is she she took really complicated numbers and words and broke them down to talk to a home service business owner, to talk about your business from your perspective but really interpreting and translating the financial things. So if that sounds hard and scary to you and you're listening to this, but it's on your to-do list, you're like, I know I need to learn this stuff, but uh, we, Al and I both apps, and I'm sure the rest of the Fight Club agrees that it's a good starting place. So this is gonna educate you and empower you and give you a new vocabulary lesson, literally teach you the Chinese, you know, the, the Chinese, the foreign language of accounting, um, and, it, and it's it's digestible. It's not hard. So uh, that that's what we're talking about. Where did the money go? So now, Albert, we do have time. Go ahead and go one more direction, it, uh, any direction you'd like to go. <laughs> yeah. What I want to share is, because so, Megan, you tripped on a really good thing. The right box or chart for any contracting company is the box org chart that I have. Okay, that's a big statement. But what is that based on? Even before I left my business, when I were coaching other companies, that were non-competitive with me in industries I was not in before I went out. I know that this flat box org chart is working at companies that are 1 million to 150 million in all the trades I was never in. I was not in the garage door trade, commercial roofing, pest control, landscaping. All of these are the boxes it takes to run a contracting business. And it's flat. There are two boxes that you, owner, will never ever leave if you ever come across me and Ellen. And it is, Tay, you'll like this, marketing manager and Megan, financial manager. You don't have to do the work. You don't have to be the marketing genius, but if the calls stop, we're going out of business and the right amount of calls, right customer, right time. So you're in charge of making sure the in-house, in if you outsource it, all of that, that this is happening. And in the case of financial with Megan, is that the money's rolling in, it's going into the right places. And when people hand you reports, two things you know. One is you can trust it. And two is it's been delivered on time. Those are the two key metrics for you because at the end of it, it's your money. And I've got worked with a lot of guys over the years and they think, well, I'm growing. I need this great CPA at my company. And here's my answer to you. Probably not. <laughs> No, no, because what's happened every time I've arrived at those situations, and one time there were two CPAs at a company that was not not even needing that. They were butting heads and putting more and more difficulty up so that the owner was more and more cut off from their own company. And so well, and I, like, I like to say to interrupt briefly that nobody's going to care about your money like you do. 
No one. And, and you could hire the highest power CPA, CFO, controller, mm -hmm. bookkeeper. You could hire somebody that's incredibly smart about money and numbers. And at the end of the day, the missing piece is it's not theirs. It's not their money. It's not their baby. It's impossible for them to care about it like you do. So there are people like Ellen. There are people like Al. There are people like us out there that are trying to help you like it like money to be fun you should like knowing where your money is and it's important like we can't delegate it it's, nope. it's, it's up to you financial manager marketing manager those two roles will be with you as long as you're self-employed if you listen to al and i, I don't yeah as long as you own any company of any size those boxes should still remain with you yeah. So yeah, yeah we've I got think, Jay yeah. on the call, and she's she's reiterating here the missing pieces is not there. <laughs> yeah, true. So Absolutely true. agree. Yes, you're spot on. Yeah, that's what Ellen actually says. But it, it, it's this myth. Well, I'm really good at plumbing, but I'm not good at financial. I'm really good at uh, you know cleaning houses, but I'm not financial. Uh, yeah, none of us are born to this. <laughs> Any of us who've got you know, I was lucky. I went to school, but all the other times that I was not in college. I was working. So when I got home, my graduation gift was a toolbox. Go get them. And so uh, I understand, you know, this thing, but I didn't understand financials. Luckily for me, my brother Marty was very good at it. But even still, we didn't know what we didn't know. And this is going to be embarrassing, but really, we used to, this is very old. So please take this the right way. We used to buy a motor for $30, pay you $30 an hour. And we figured, well, there's 40 bucks for us. <laughs> we never thought about the building, the lights, the trucks, mm -hmm. the insurance. You know, you follow? Yeah. Welcome to the crowd. Yep. And there's another book by Ellen called How Much Should I Charge? And she's really good about having you brain dump all the expenses that go into your company. And there's actually a calculator that will help you figure out what your labor rate should be, what your break-even point is. And uh having that information makes it much easier to go into your price book and make sure you're priced correctly. Um, so to wrap up, we have to learn our numbers. We have to understand our money. You, we can't, we can't keep putting our head in the sand and, and maybe in the beginning your head's in the sand and you're lucky, but it gets so much easier once you start looking at things on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be inaccessible. If you have an accountant that doesn't speak your language, I like to say find a new accountant who does, right? If yes, an accountant yes. who is not willing to invest in the time to help you understand your business from a financial perspective, go find a new accountant who is. They should care about your success. In both of Ellen's books, she has wonderful checklists about how to find a good accountant. And uh, <laughs> personality traits are hilarious. Like they like to cook and they keep a tidy desk and they um, like to fill out crossword puzzles. So it's okay if, you, if you're not having this relationship with your current accountant, go find a new one. We're, we're giving you permission and then read where did the money go and you have to do a budget. Once you understand these numbers, we, we've got to do a budget. So I think that that was, that was we, we created a system around financial management. Al, good oh, absolutely. job. Absolutely. Like absolutely. <laughs> you're gonna get a theme here that there are seven systems you have to master. Oh, well, that's the perfect segue to pass you to Michelle because right. I want to know what the seven systems we have to master are. And I forgot to take notes during pay session. Sorry. 
note takers and anybody listening to this podcast, I'm going to go back to taking notes now. <laughs> no, I, I am grateful, Al, that you said finances and marketing are the owner's uh, responsibility. It's interesting. That has sort of normally happened in my company. And it's odd because I have people that help me do those things clearly, but I still am managing those two processes. So it's interesting that you say that those two should always stay with me. Cause I'm yeah. trying to offload them already and it's wild. I feel like I need to embrace them now. I need to like get my arms around them even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what I say in the, in the box Michelle, is you have to own these boxes and this is where manuals and the org chart all come into it. But ultimately it's getting the boxes beneath you to do their jobs so sure. that your job is lessened and you're working on more as a manager and less of day to day. And that accountability can be tricky for a lot of us business owners. I want to dive into the powers, but before we get there, how can we build or systematize that accountability for folks so that they're constantly feeding back to the owner what they're accomplishing? What have you seen work out there? Because I know that's a pain point for a lot of folks. You know, it, it depends on where, because obviously going up different avenues of the org chart <clears throat> depends on what they're being trained on. So as you buy into the boxes, the goal is to have uh, manuals, written manuals, for about 80% sure. of what goes on in each of those boxes, because otherwise you're asking me and judging me on how good I'm doing this or not doing it, sure. based on what? Based right. on your opinion or sure. subjectivity, or you just walk in. And here's what's worse, Michelle. There were four <laughs> Levies at my company. Uh -oh. Good luck figuring out which one you're supposed to please today. <laughs> goodness, goodness. I got it. I got it. Yep. Um, so tell me about the powers and how that sort of evolved because I'm on your website and I'm addicted to anything that's a system clearly. Um, tell me why. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So tell me what each one of the sort of silos is, if you don't mind, and I can read them off for you. This is not a test. Uh, I, I, I know. The, I know. The you got it. Right okay, now. good. Beautiful. I don't, okay, I don't good. want to start with that seven. If I don't, then they really should just come along and take me away. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell plenty. me about those so we can hear them. Planning power, which is where when I was doing one to one, that's where I always started planning power, which is working on the right thing in the right way at the right time. Uh, is there a theme of three? Yes, Tay. There's a theme like of there three. is. <laughs> so that's planning, which so because do you need another great idea out there or do you need something implemented? And we all know there's a million great ideas. There was a million great ideas back in my days when I was go to great seminars, talk to great people. Uh, no, no shortage, great books. But of course, today there's a little thing called Facebook. And it's, yeah. you know, everybody's bombarding me with great ideas. And Megan and I were at a great you know, place. I was lucky enough to talk, and she was. You're going to meet with other great people, and it's you've got to have a way to sort those ideas. So sure. the top of the funnel master project, down to your top five, that, sorry, down to your top 30, and then down to your top five. Then on to operating power, which is the org charts. And there are several of them, but those are the boxes it takes to run your company. And if you're a small company, I've got bad news for you. Your name is going to be in a lot of those boxes. Here's the good news. Your name is already in those boxes, but you didn't know which boxes you were in. Yeah. So I'm happy to tell you what box you're in if you want. As a matter of fact, if you guys ask, I'll send you along the uh, the box org chart. And you oh, guys. That'd be great. Listeners, yeah. So That'd be great. I'm going to make and I'm going to task you with sending me an email on that or otherwise it was a nice idea that I didn't follow through and I don't like that. Done. So operating Done. is about 80 percent. And if you're an owner, the reason you got to be an owner is because you're persnickety. 
You're perfectionist. I get it. <laughs> but nobody else is going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We have to cover what goes on 80% in those boxes, 80% of the time, and let the 20 weird go. Okay. Love Next it. thing, staffing. So people person, you'd be waiting here. Yay. People. And so a lot of people in these big companies want to be top management down. And I am not a believer in that. I believe that the strength of the company is the bottom of the org chart, the people at the bottom and moving up. And so when I would get paid a lot of money to come in and work with these big next door companies and other great, great companies of large size, that they would be pestering me as soon as I walked in the door. Uh, what do my managers do? What should my managers do? And I would finally just look at them and go, nothing. To which they were not happy with that answer. And I go, here's why I'm saying nothing, because today we don't even have the boxes set up. We don't have what goes on. Really, their job is to hold the people beneath them accountable to the org chart boxes they fit that yep. they are in so they can own their box. And when we get that done, then they can occupy more of the top boxes where they should be operating. I love it. Okay. Now we went uh, over marketing, or do you want to talk about marketing? You know, selling about marketing and that's one of them. Staffing, staffing is okay. really this, which is there's a huge tech shortage. <laughs> I know this is like a yeah. new newscast to you guys. Who could possibly have heard that before? Yeah. Well, this is a new true. problem that my brothers and I solved in the 80s. What a new world it is. Uh, no, you'll always be here because you're trying to steal other people's employees, which I was really good at, but it's a lot like trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Good luck or looking for that unicorn that just happens to be a willing person who's a great, got great skills, very hard to replicate. So what we learned is creating a staffing system that took willing young people with mm -hmm. no skills and made them willing people with great skills. And we did it for all the boxes, but in particular techs. And we learned how to do this right with manuals, with a hands-on training center and training curriculum and becoming better trainers ourselves and taking the manuals to this next step. Because ultimately there's three things in staffing is you're finding the holes in your existing people because every one of your existing people oversold themselves in the interview. Because you it's were true. so desperate, yeah. you never questioned what they said. Because I know I didn't. I was yeah. desperate. I was desperate. <laughs> so then the other part is find the holes in the new people faster and fix them. But ultimately, the great growth, and Megan knows, obviously, Tommy from Maywin Garage, but there's more cases of this everywhere. The people that work with me that bought into all of these systems and invested didn't have this tech shortage right now. Right now. And that is building young, willing people with great skills. In this case, apprentices into junior techs, junior techs into senior techs, senior techs into field supervisors. And that really made a huge difference for them. So that's staffing. Sales, we already kind of talked about. I'll tell you how to be able to do that. Marketing. And then rewards. What's my reward if I go above? Look, I know you're looking at me going, hmm, he's been around a while. Well, I still think <laughs> like a six-year-old. And I want to know, what do I get if I do? What do yeah. I get if I don't? Yeah. What's in it for me? So with what's in it for me is what rewards for going above. And that's what Ellen and I work together to put a system in to reward the people that are doing the things that go above and beyond. Primarily service techs, installers, and big ticket salespeople. 
But the trick here is you need to do budgeting. Pay attention, maybe. <laughs> because you know what they need to bring you. And what Ellen and I designed is if you bring me one more dollar than I need, I'll be generous with that dollar. Bring me one dollar less, I will coach you, but only for so long. Yeah. And so that's really where we call sales coaching power is how do I make people better at this skill? So that's really kind of it. How many did I get so far? You got them all. We're all the way down to leadership power. So give me a yeah. little gold nugget on leadership, please. Yeah, leadership power. So when I did work for two or three years with guys, I would finally get to the end to leadership power. And we would talk about goal setting and how to break up goals and how to make them in real and numbers, not this idealistic thing is. How many trucks will be rolling? How many dollars will each of them be bringing? When will we be at these goals? So that it, they had a great picture and their team could see this great picture. And we would talk about the negative thoughts that were in their head and how much they're already blowing up their dreams and wishes. And how do I know? Because I did it. And I did it for so long. About, well, that can never happen. Or, you know, it's old. My, I don't have any good employees. It's not my fault. I had every excuse that you could have out there, Michelle. Trust me. Yeah. So they came to love this leadership. We did a lot of exercises there. And they loved it so much. And they go, well, why didn't we start with this? And I go, because when I arrived, you were in a swimming pool, slashing around, about to drown. <laughs> this is not the time to teach you leadership skills. Now is the time. That's excellent. All of those systems are awesome. I'm going to drop the link to uh, Al's website so you can see everything he's got available for home service companies. I'm blown away. We've just implemented traction here at Pink Collars, so we're doing a lot of the boxes and the accountability so that you're speaking that, you know, all my Whitman? language. Is yes, that, you know, Whitman? Whitman? Yes, is, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I read that book. Yep. So I, that's all at top of mind right now for us over here. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. I'm going to pass you over to Martha, and she's going to talk to you about all this awesome people that make it all possible for us to have these businesses to begin with. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Okay. Okay, Al, um, I'm going to be like Megan and give you two choices. Uh, so, thank you for only giving me two choices, because that's okay. about as much as I can remember. <laughs> um. So I know that you were talking with Tommy last night on the top hiring strategies, and that's a huge problem for people right now. Um, we could talk about that. Or another thing that's kind of near and dear to my heart is um, creating room for growth with our, our techs. So you choose, and we'll go that route. Well, since you're running the relay leg here, we're going to go what's near and dear to your heart because it's near and dear to my heart as well. Yeah. When I used to write ads way back when, and I'm embarrassed now, but it was all about what I wanted. You have to have five years experience and where did you work? And, you know, just wrote these terrible ads and we didn't know they were terrible, but we couldn't understand why they weren't working. And then I, Tay, I went back to being a salesperson. And I go, why would I want to work at this company? Because it's all they want to talk about is what they want. They have no interest in what I want. And so I had to rewrite everything and change my perspective about how, what would you want? And what we went to create on purpose was to be able to be say that we were the employer of choice. And the way that we went to market as employer of choice is we don't promise a job. We promise a career and then make good on it. So when they look at the org chart, 
which was one of the first things they see when they come in. I don't care what position you are. Here's where you can be today. Here's where you can go tomorrow. And we will help you train all the way along. But you have to fill the first box before you can go up the ladder. But we have all the training, all the systems make it possible. And then I would take them for a tour around the place and show them the training center and show them all this stuff. And frankly, they were excited. And then I said, one last thing is I'm going to bring Megan in because she was an apprentice just like you. And now she's a field supervisor. You guys can talk about anything. They're not going to come back to me and tell me anything. And they would have this conversation. I was closing at a very high rate for anybody that I wanted. Now, I was after a while, I was not really looking for, again, that magic. The willing tech with great skills. I was really looking for willing young apprentices who wanted to come and learn and become these great techs with great skills. Yeah, yeah. And I found for my company, the best fit for us was actually somebody um, and, you know, law of averages, but usually that didn't have experience. I found that they did so much better just because there weren't all these preconceived notions about how to do things. And, you know, we could train them the way that we wanted to do it. So, um, but I love that. And I use that same strategy out where it basically at the end of an interview and this is exactly what you were doing at, at the end of the interview, you turned it into a sales closer by walking them around. And we didn't really have this great training facility, but what we did have is all on our walls at, at, you know, all these things about culture, our pay for performance system, uh, our dream wall, all those things. So I love it. I really I love that you made it so visual. I, I actually had a wall in my office. We were in a terrible location in New York City in the bad old days. <laughs> and we had to drive, talk about demoralizing. We had to drive people in because we were like the little house on a prairie, which you'll have to look up if you're not old enough to know that show. Right but the reality right. is, there was nothing, you'd have to drive two miles to get to a, a diner. That's how bad it was. And we, they broke every window in our building and through our skylights. Finally, the final move for me was they drove a truck through the cinder block wall. And I just said to my brothers and my dad, and I was the younger brother again, we're out of here. <laughs> we got to go someplace and make a model shop, which is why I became so great at, at building model shops. Mm -hmm. But it was really everything in that building screamed culture. And we had a wall because <clears throat> I would invite people from all across the country to come here and see this place. But the only requirement in this day is they had to give me a letter so I could put it on the wall. And I told everyone in this place is that, you know how you clean up your house when guests are coming? Well, guests are always coming here. And I have pictures of your work area. And we're going to make sure that they can stop in anytime unannounced. And it's amazing how you raise the culture up. Yeah. One thing I'll also add to that is, my guys always proved to me and my brother Richie that they could do less in the way of dress because we kept making the uniforms darker and dirtier so that we could hope they could stay clean. Yeah. And we gave up. So then we finally made them nicer and told them, took a picture of them and go, this is how you have to come to work every day. And magically they jumped over the bar. 
Exactly. And, you know, we didn't really get to touch on training and the principles, but that people don't raise the bar high enough when training. And I, that was my problem in the early days. I, you know, I kind of dumbed down my system to get people through it. And then, of course, had a ton of problems. So you raise the bar and the people who are right for your company will exceed it. They will. I, I agree. As long as you do the magic sauce here again with them, what's in it for me? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, oh man, we could go on forever, but uh, I'm, we'll I'm not to... going anywhere for at least another hour. So, you know, settle in. <laughs> because because going who doesn't want to hear Hey and I talk about coffee? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we could have a whole hour on what's in it for me. I, I didn't realize yes. it was an allism, but Tommy, I don't think I can have a single conversation with Tommy without him saying, well, what's in it for them? Well, what's in it for them? What's in he, it for them? He, it's he it's, it's such a turn from where he was, right. uh, but he was also like me. I recognize him, Tommy. He was like me, which was we were a hostage at our own business. And that's kind of what you heard yesterday, which we were sharing was that I woke up one day in a cold sweat and I went in to see and we were in a small office, like I always say, about the size of a year. Because my dad, my dad, my two older brothers, we'd all sit in a small office. My dad's creed was like, we don't make any money with you sitting here. Go do something. <laughs> that was the great executive plan. And uh, yeah, so, but I walked in and I told them I woke up today in a cold sweat because I just realized they could all leave tomorrow. What would we do? And I feel like a hostage to what they will and won't do. And they go, we do too. So what are you going to do about it? Okay, like that accent? What are you going to do about it? And I said, I don't know right now, but I will figure it out. And that's where the birth of the org chart and the manuals and the systems and the training and the train their training, of course, staffing is all about systems as well. What a shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it seems like people are evolving. Maybe it's just because it's the people I'm around, but it does feel like people are evolving and understanding that you create a business that is built to serve people. And whether it's your clients or your employees, um, and it serves us. But if you're not serving all three of those people, then uh, it's they're not sticking with you. I, I agree. And what I taught owners is when I learned to change my mindset, said here it's people say my employees are my number one customer and frankly a lot of times I don't believe it so really what I feel is it has to be good for the customer to be good for the company to be good for the staff members so it can be good for you over the long term mm -hmm. and it's always in that order so when they are misbehaving and they're being on the ways of steps four steps of corrective action which is all about staffing is always I ask them about how is your behavior today in keeping with our systems and tell me how that is best serving our customers because ultimately it will not serve you. Right, right. And I should absolutely clarify for the listeners, when I say serving employees, I do not mean lying down and letting them walk on you because <laughs> that's not serving your best people. And uh, so, it, yeah, definitely. 
You should have warned me before I had a, a sip of coffee because that almost went all over my computer screen. And you're wearing the white shirt today. I a white shirt, yes. That's very messy, but it, you are spot on. And I absolutely was one of those little flatliners where um, when you talk about being hostage, I absolutely, that's the way I approached it in the early days is I just kept like leaning over further going, all right, I, I got to take it, you know, I've got to let them be absent for their 20th time, you know, kind of thing until I learned that that was serving no one, including the clients and our best employees. So how are we doing on time before I uh, jump back? Go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> it's just you and me, you and me about the people, people, right? People don't realize that I love people. They go, you're a systems guy. The reason that I said to my dad, a little further, my dad and my brothers was, we have great people here being sabotaged every day because we either have no systems or broken systems. Why don't we try to have really good systems? I wasn't even going for great. Just really good systems. And let's see how far they can go into the credit. I was a New York City union shop. So for any of you listening here, go, well, that can't work here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, this is really the, the difference is they became, for the first chance in their lives, they actually got to get some fingerprints in how we operate by buying into the systems. Instead of shoving it down their throat, they got to get some input. But ultimately, we have to go, this is what we're doing. But before we finalize it, you guys are going to be able to get your fingerprints on it. And every week we're going to go through this together and we're going to make any adjustments that we need to, to find a better, cheaper, faster way. And to their credit, they learn to love that, not like it, learn to love it. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes people come and stay and the rest of it. So staffing is a, obviously staffing's big, always big, all of them are big. It's like asking me of my seven, which is my favorite. <laughs> They all. Oh, all the babies are happy. All the babies. I love them all. Yeah, all the babies. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tap. I'm going to pass it back to you, Tay. Awesome. Well, Alec, you've given so much this hour from coffee to, you know, marketing, money, systems, people, all the things we've gotten to talk to you about today. So I appreciate your time and Right now, we're going to go ahead and do some homework. So you're more than welcome to give homework um, at the end of our kind of round robin homework session here. For everyone listening, this is always your weekly reminder to please choose one piece of homework. We are about to give you four to five pieces of homework, and we want to make sure that you effectively execute the homework that you choose this week. That's what makes our podcast different. That's what holds you accountable to listening to our podcast is this homework assignment. So as we go around and give these pieces of homework, please remember to choose one. And also remember that we do have an accountability group that is a private group on Facebook that you are more than welcome to join to ask questions to make sure that you can complete this assignment. So when it comes to marketing, we talked about a lot of threes. So what I want you to do is kind of analyze these, these first set of threes. And that first set of threes was, are you getting the right amount of calls from the right customers at the right time? Now, you can just sit down and really take a look at your last, I, I would recommend your last quarter, so your last 90 days, to get a solid evaluation on what customers have called, 
what type of services are they looking for? Are they even the right customer? Did they really, you know, fit well with your pricing structure? Did they balk at pricing? You know, did what was your close percentage? How many of those leads did you close? What did your sales reps, or if it's yourself, what did you realize were a lot of objections that came from those clients in those 90 days? So really do a deep dive. This, this could take you about you know an hour to complete successfully. I really want you to spend some time on this and see where those three questions lie. Are you getting the right amount of calls from the right customers at the right time in these last 90 days? Good. Sorry. No, Tinker. And no, that, that was really, it's always like awkward with the homework. <laughs> and I'm feeling a little jealous because that was a really good, like tangible homework assignment. I think I'm going to do that. I like this idea of reviewing a set period and looking for these set questions. For our finance homework this week, I'm going to assign Ellen's book. I think we talk a lot about how much should I charge. And Al reminds me like, yeah, that one's important, but they have to read where did the money go first. Yes. This, this is a language that's really like, you know, familiar to me. So I like when Al reminds me that, no, where did the money go first and keep reading it until this vocabulary becomes your language. Um, so that's going to be our homework assignment this week. It's a, it's a quick, easy read, less than two hour homework assignment, and it will be life-changing in terms of educating you around your money, which we said as a reminder, a financial manager is a role in your company that you will never delegate or should never delegate. Mm -hmm. so. I already added it to my <laughs> Yes, the marketing manager too. Okay. Good times. And your systems homework this week is to jump on Al's website. So I'm going to put it in the private Facebook group and look at another five minutes of Alisms. He's got a great short video <clears throat> that will tell you all about how to systematize your business. And I would also encourage you to go to his podcast page. He's got some incredible shows that he's been on, including Sid's just recently this week. So please check out both of those pages and I will link that um, in the Facebook group today. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And your people homework is, I want you to think about how do you make the sale to your applicant? All right. So, Al and I talked about how we did it, and that was kind of and that's an in-person version. So if you if you do virtual interviews, then you've got to figure out a different way. Um, and if you're not getting enough people to come to an interview, then somewhere in that sales process, you're not even getting them interested in the sale so figure okay. out how you're selling and then al do you want to give some homework i do uh i'm going to go back to what i mentioned uh which is planning power working on the right thing in the right way at the right time three rights and so i don't care who you are but if you own a business Remember, you're not short of the ideas. I always thought there's an idea out there that I did not know. And I said idea just so that you would laugh, Tay, because one of my customers interrupted me one day and he goes, so what kind of deer is idea? <laughs> anyway, so you're, you're overloaded. Do what I did, which is just you can do it on a Word doc, a Google doc, do it in a, you know, Airtable, whatever you like to work as a project management but load up all the great ideas that you and the top people have in your company and then filter them down with two giant strainers 
fixes your biggest problem or challenge or gives you the greatest chance and grow and be profitable, get it to 30. And then from the 30, do it one more time so you arrive at your top five, top five. And I don't care how crazy your week is. I don't care who didn't show up today or to the tomorrow. If you told me those are the five biggest things that'll fix your biggest problem and challenge your greatest chance to grow and be profitable, you cannot end the week with not doing some work on those top five. And that is how you make progress. That's my homework. I know what I'm doing. I love giving homework to teachers. <laughs> it's awesome. And well, the reminder, because we, yeah. we like to just reiterate this, you cannot do all five assignments. If you no. try to do all five assignments, then we've missed Al's point of this homework. And we are asking you to just commit to one and and commit to the one that is, I think that's a great filter. So let's say it again, Al, that solves your greatest problem or challenge or is most likely to generate a profit, right? Uh, give you right. the greatest chance for profit and, you know, yeah, grow and be profitable. Grow and be profitable. So use yep. that filter with your homework this week. Commit to doing one. If you have one done by the time we see you next week, you'll have moved the needle forward in your business and our hour of investment of time with you will have been worth it. So please do it for us, do it for you. And uh, Michelle, I think has a quote of the week for us. I do, but before we do that, Al, how can people reach you other than the website? Is there any other way that you like to be contacted? Yeah, on, on the website, there's a, yeah, they can chat me. They can send it right off there or they can send it to Al, A-L at the number seven, powercontractor.com al at number seven powercontractor.com just say that you know you heard me on fight club and you have a question or a concern and i will if it's very short in your email i will do my best but i also offer this i do offer to any contractor out there from the time that i started this business a free 30 minute phone call it is not a sales call uh because sometimes we're not appropriate to work together but that said i do offer this and it's a give back to my mentors. I never forget I am where I am today because of my mentors. And oh, so this gift beautiful. is back to them. That is so good. I love that. I love that. Um, okay, great. So everybody knows how to find Al. The quote of the day is actually from you, Al. So I'm going to share something that you said oh. on, a previous, on a previous time out there. It's out there in the ecosphere. Get ready. Buckle up. It's really good. <clears throat> it is from you. And it says, act like you're going to be in business a while. Business decisions get easier. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a deep dive. You, you, you grabbed right hold of what Irving, my dad, told me. And I had to eat that, by the way. When oh. I went off to do this business, I had no I, I w had no business. And I was doing all this work and investing in myself and spending money. And I had to keep reminding myself is act like you're going to be in business a while business decisions get easier. So thank you for reminding so me. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody have an awesome Tuesday and kill it this week. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Go fight. Go, Go fight, fight, everybody. The Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.